2: Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer back with End Time Insights. Love that you listen. Hallelujah. We want to give you our best. Hopefully, it's God's best, which is always the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, if you live in me and let my word live in you, you will ask what you will, and I will do it for you. If you live in me, yes, you're born again. You've accepted Christ. Then you are seated in heavenly places already. Christ in you. We have this treasure of the glory of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Hallelujah. We have this treasure in earth and vessels. That's what I was looking for. So you do live in Christ. You're born again. And the second part of that, if you live in me and let my word live in you, you've got to let his word become alive in you. You must, you must, you must. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. You know, people say, well, God watches over me. No, he doesn't. The Bible says God will give his charge over you to keep you in all his ways, to bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. That's what the Bible says. But the Bible says that he watches over his word. He watches over his word with a purpose. That purpose is to perform it. So the idea being is you kind of come in the back door to get God to watch over you. Because if he watches over his word, and then the Bible says, if you would live in me and let my word live in you, because I've deposited his word in me, in my heart, and he's promised to watch over his word. So I've got God watching over his word that's in me, and I've got his angels watching over me. So I'm covered by both sides. Hallelujah. No charge. That was extra. We're going to finish talking about 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is where a quick review from last week where Paul was getting ready to go to heaven. And he's telling his adopted son, as it were, Timothy, his son in the faith, his spiritual son, Timothy. He's got a solemn charge from God and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes up to him. He grabs him by the shirt front and he says, Timothy. Timothy, I charge you before, before the courts of heaven, before God Almighty, before the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to charge you with something. And what's he going to charge him with? I want you to preach the word, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. I want you to rebuke. I want you to reprove. I want you to exhort. That was the charge that Timothy received from Paul. So we spoke about that last week. We broke down rebuke. We broke down reprove and exhort and all of that is under the holy divine charge Paul gave to Timothy, and then he starts warning him, and he tells him, "This is why I want you to do this, which is great." And he refers back to, you know, remember it was therefore I want to give you this charge, and it was because what we learned in Second Timothy chapter three. Remember there was nineteen indictments that Paul gave, and time mankind, and shall be lovers of selves. There shall be boasters, they shall be covetous, they shall be fierce, despisers of that that are good, uh, having a form of religion, but denying the power thereof. So he gave Timothy the mandate to preach the word based on what had been happening, what's going to happen in the end time behavior of mankind. And then he goes on, he continues on, and he talks about that there's going to be false teachers. And he says, they will be people in the church. They'll be doing things. They'll be lustful. They'll be driven by lust. They're going to heap to themselves, teachers having itching ears. And this is where we left off. And uh, shall heap up to themselves, teachers, which because they've got uh, itching ears, you know, it is understandable. You got to observe the expression heap up. That means you're going to gather to themselves excessively. You know, the madness of men is going to be so great. They're going to go from teacher to teacher, from doctrine to doctrine, from preacher to preacher, from church to church. They're not going to be satisfied with a few deceivers. They're going to desire to have a vast multitude of people that are deceiving them. For as there is an insatiable longing for those things which are unprofitable and destructive, so the world seeks on all sides and without end, all the methods that it can put together and imagine for destroying itself. That's where we are. That's what Timothy is receiving from Paul. Destructive heresies. Uh, this is what's going on. Damnable heresies. False teachers. We are destroying ourselves literally. And the devil is always ready to help us to accomplish his goal, which is the destruction of the church, destruction of America, one world government. That is Satan's end time. We are moving quickly there. We watched a movie yesterday, a two hour documentary. Um, I forget the name of the people that put it together, but it was great. What was the name of it? It might have been, oh, I'm not going to remember it. End time, suicide. I don't know. Anyway, it was great. It was a Sunday afternoon, well spent with friends. And it just broke down the assault upon the church through false teaching, through the woke pastors, the surge of woke ministers in our pulpits, in our seminaries, all inspired by a planned demonic move of communism, infiltrated our nation, infiltrated our universities. Well, now they've infiltrated our churches, and you see these people talking about New Age doctrines, about carnality, about communism, about the goals, the teachings, the doctrines of communism— And don't forget communism, it is socialism with violence. It's socialism where they force you to comply through military means. And so that's where we are in America today. You know, Russia has just invaded Ukraine, and so uh, I don't know how to pray. I believe it's the hand of God. I really do. I believe God's aligning the nations. And so we're praying for the church in Ukraine, in Russia, that God would protect the brothers and sisters there, that he would keep them and watch over them in Jesus' name. So Timothy chapter four, but after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. When one turns away from something, invariably they wind up facing something else. For instance, if I'm looking north and I turn away, I'm no longer looking north, but I could be looking south, east, or west. So you never just turn away from something and that's it. When you turn away from something, you replace what you were looking at with something else. Here, he says, they will turn away from the truth and they will start looking into fables and myths. The Phillips translation, they will no longer listen to the truth, but they will wander off after man-made fictions. For yourself, stand fast in all that you are doing, Timothy, meeting whatever suffering that this may involve wander off. You know, the Bible talks about the word for um deception there's three, but the strongest one, the one that's used most often is planeo, p l a n e o. Planeo and it means to wander off. It means to move from the place of safety. And basically when you turn your ears away from the uh, hearing the truth, you do that, you actually are removing yourself from the place of safety. And I think that's what a great majority of the church in America has done. We've had help Okay, we've got, like I said, the assault by the left, by the uh, satanic beings, by the Antichrist crowd, by a satanic attack on our churches, in our churches, through false teaching, through false prophets. These things are deceiving many. And Jesus says, we're going to lose many. It's going to happen. That's what the apostasy is. People exchanging the truth for lies. And it's not just the church that's going through this apostasy. It's the world. It's the standard truth. So like man and woman, God only created two sexes, two genders. That's being challenged. Homosexual marriage. That is a turning away from the biblical marriage, one man, one woman for life. And there's so many others. Abortion. Life used to be sacred. Life isn't sacred anymore. And that is part of the apostasy, turning away from the sanctity of life. So we are seeing this happening today. Anything, there's nothing, there's no restrictions on what can be preached in our pulpits. Everything gets said, everything gets followed, everything gets believed. The intentional assault by the communists into our seminaries, our pulpits, it's destroying lives and it's weakening the church. These are real dangers, guys. The assaults are well planned. They've been in the making for a century now. And for the most part, the church is ignorant about what's going on. And it's no accident what has happened. God said it was going to happen. The Antichrist crowd, in order to get their one world government, in order to get their one world economy, they must remove America. But they will not be able to destroy America as long as the church is here. So they are attempting to destroy the church. They seem to be winning that battle. It's amazing. But as long as the church is here and active, and there is a remnant who are fighting, who are speaking the truth, who are representing our king, the Lord Jesus Christ, Hallelujah. There's hope. So the plan is to compromise the church, and that's been successful. America's fall is next. And unless the church repents and turns around and starts preaching the word, like Paul told Timothy, uh, America's fall is guaranteed. We're right there. Okay? We're right there. People are holding out hope that America's going to return to righteousness. Trump's going to be reelected. Sorry, guys. It's not been written like that. Jesus doesn't come back to fix a world that America has already fixed, he comes back to judge a world that mankind could not keep themselves from destroying. Remember, the purpose of America was great. God used us. It was wonderful. But at the end of the day, the purpose of America was to show mankind that mankind could not govern themselves. No matter how much of a head start that he gave us, no matter how righteous we started out, no matter how good our intentions, mankind cannot judge cannot rule himself righteously. It just is impossible to happen. You must have Jesus Christ. He's called the uh, wonderful counselor. He's called the eternal king. He is the one that's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Hallelujah. But unfortunately, these false teachers, they will continue to be successful. And this leads us to the main point of what I've been wanting to say for the last two weeks. It's another warning, another admonition. I'm sorry. As long as the danger's here, I am going to harp on this. I'm going to warn you about what's coming. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you how to fix it. But we are going to identify the things that are going to cause you to fall. So important. Whether they be people or doctrines, we've got to stay away from both of them. Don't forget, Satan has the assignment of stealing your soul. That's just, that's what he wants to do. You know, it's uh, both my goal is to help you save your soul. Satan's assignment is to steal your soul, but at the end of the day, the prize is the same. It's your soul. 2 Corinthians eleven, thirteen, and 15, with a great scripture. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Verse 15, therefore, it is of no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. This subtlety of Satan, our enemy, he's astounding. He's a master. He's been doing this for 6,000 years against mankind. He's gotten down the assaults against the church, which has been here for 2,000 years. And he's really good. He uses likable people. He uses pretty people, handsome people, well-dressed people. He uses people that are attractive in the five-sense realm, well-spoken, their speech flows. Their deeds are good. Their congregations love them. Yet, as the scriptures say, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. I would dare say over half the people that are in our pulpits are false. They are ministers of unrighteousness transformed by the power of the enemy into ministers of righteousness. I heard this yesterday from uh, a brother, Everett Piper. This is great. A wolf in sheep's clothing is dangerous, but a shepherd in sheep's clothing is deadly. Wow. Let me say that again. I know. A wolf in sheep's clothing is dangerous, but a shepherd in sheep's clothing is deadly. And we saw this over and over as Jeremiah was rebuking the false prophets, the false priests over in Israel during the time that he was prophesying. God constantly held the preachers accountable because they were not telling them the truth. The prophets were prophesying false things out of their own vain imaginations. It was the preachers and the prophets that were leading the Israelites astray. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't Russia. It wasn't the Assyrians that the church or the Jews had to fear. It's the people in our own pulpits. And you're only going to know the false if you know the word of God is real. I wrote it like this. You will only know them as false if you come to know the word is real. Satan's after your soul. And just like Satan, so true are we. You decide who wins. That's up to you guys. In addition to the false preachers and the doctrinal errors that they bring into the pulpit, Satan's a master of deception. He's at work. And he is bringing all sorts of demonic doctrines and spirits of witchcraft into our pulpits. Many of these men and women are actually ministers of Satan, guys, and we are following them by the millions. See, I'm not going to be fooled by them because I know the truth. I don't know all the truth, but if there's something that's funky, I'm going to check it out against the Word of God. That's what happened uh, when I went to Lakewood years ago, man. They were shutting down our ministry. It was truth, and they wanted to put people in there that weren't so dogmatic about the sin of homosexuality. Teaching marriage classes, we had people questioning. It was in 2015, and the Supreme Court had just gone ahead and they they stuck their fist in God's face and they said, we know better. We know better than your divine order. God's divine order is one man, one woman for life. Well, uh, nine men and women in black robes said, no, 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 God, we know better. Man and woman can marry man and woman. Man can marry man. Woman can marry woman. And they challenged the divine order of God. And that was a great step downward in the darkness that is covering our land today. So you decide, guys. God lets you decide. You're a free will moral agent. Who are you going to follow? you Are going to follow the false? You're going to get in the Bible and learn what's true. In addition, all of these doctrinal errors that are being brought into the pulpit, you know, we're following ministers of Satan. They're in the pulpit and you got to know the difference between a man of God and a woman of God. When My former pastor started talking about the fact that God is not sovereign in the earth today. Immediately, alarm bells started going off. in my. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't stand close. That's a dangerous situation. God is sovereign. He's sovereign in the earth. He's sovereign in the seas. He's sovereign in heaven. Always has been. Always will be. You don't challenge that. Anyway, I knew that as a false doctrine. So here we are, out from there, and dealing with truth. We knew that, though, because we knew the truth. We know who God is. We understand who God is. He is God. You're not. Get that settled. Christianity 101. He's God. You're not. He gave you a free will, but he did not give away his authority so he would not be able to operate without your approval. That's not what he did. That's not what he does. Let me talk about a couple of names. I'm going to name some people here, not for the sake of running them down, but you need to be warned of the danger. Okay. I don't know the men. I only know the doctrines that they teach, and that's what I'm going to talk about. Therefore, I'm not judging the men. That's not my job. I'm judging their doctrines. We're to judge all things. We're actually to judge all people, too, whether they are of God or the spirits. John says, try the spirits. But the people I'm going to talk about, they are taking millions with them. So don't let Satan cause anyone to think otherwise. We're not piling on people here. We are putting up roadblocks. We are putting up dangers. We're letting you know there are spiritual potholes along the path you're walking on if you're being led by these people here. Having a false doctrine doesn't make someone a false teacher, but you will know them by their fruit. However, there are certain things that one cannot do. For instance, if teaching heresy can take one to hell, then you want to get out from under that. What do you mean by teaching heresy? Well, the Bible in King James says that they're damnable heresies. Damned. They're not blessed heresies. They're damnable heresies. They have the ability to damn you to eternal damnation if you follow some of these heresies. One can't cross that line. Changing the gospel. That's another one. You can't change what God has said don't change. There's curses involved with all this stuff. And the followers of them are going to suffer the same punishment as those that are teaching this stuff. The minister who changes the gospel actually comes under the curse and is not God's servant. Galatians 1.9 says men who do that are eternally damned. Whew, that's heavy duty stuff, man. Danger, danger. Get out from amongst them. Denying Christ. That's a sign of heresy. Stuff like that will damn you. It's false. The damage that these men are doing, it's irreparable. It's eternal. According to Paul, they are demonically changed into God's ministers. If we are not at the top of our game, we're going to fall for them. One of the issues was the hyper-grace deal promoted by Brother Joseph Prince, and he says a lot of wonderful things that I agree with, but at the end of the day, you need to be confessing your sin, brother and sister. He says you don't need to confess your sin, but when you get saved, you confess your sin, that's it. That covers every sin that you've ever committed, which is ridiculous. You know, if the bank robber goes in and robs a bank and— praise the Lord, and they catch him, and he goes to jail for 20 years. Okay, he's paid that sentence for that robbery. That doesn't mean he can get out of jail, come back, and commit another robbery. But no, 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 no. That's already been paid for. I went to jail. No, no, no. That's not how that works, okay? So what the danger with him is what he's doing. He's get people are sinning in the body of Christ. And John says, you need to confess your sins. You need to repent, okay? And the Bible says, he that says, I don't sin, or it's not chargeable to me. That's a lie. And so Joseph Prince is allowing people in the church who sin. we're walking around dirty. We're not getting clean. Of course we sin. Well, yes, Jesus paid the price for all those sins, but I need to go through the process of repentance and cleansing. God's got a dirty church. It's because people like him are leaving us in our sin. It's so important. I believe it to be a doctrine of devils. I really do. Talking about the fact that you don't have to get clean. Because it leaves us stained and it breaks our fellowship with Christ. Don't forget, if I go out there and I rob a bank, okay? I go out there and I rob a bank, my fellowship with God has been broken. My relationship is still the same, but my fellowship has been broken. And when I try to come before God to request something or to do something or to pray about something, you know, he's not going to answer that prayer. He's going to say, Ron, you sinned. Get clean. Ron, repent of that sin. You're wrong. You know? He didn't turn his face from me. I turned my face from him. And the only way my face goes back, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's why the J.P. hyper grace doctrine so so dangerous. First John two one and two. My little children, these things write I unto you that if you sin, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. Right there, he tells you, he is a propitiation for our sins. Who is ours? The church. Hallelujah. He, The church sins. The church needs to repent over and over. Jesus, in the seven letters, five of the letters, he told the churches, the people of God, the saints of God, what they were sinning. You need to repent. You need to repent. You need to repent. I mean, when you've got the word of God like that in your face, and it's Contrary to what somebody's teaching you, you separate yourself from the person that's teaching you things that are opposite to what's been written. Sorry, we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't follow false teachers. It leads to a situation where the maintenance of Christian cleansing is not being done. It's got a filthy, stained church, and that limits our ability to serve God. Add to that, Brother Prince also believes once saved, always saved. You know, and that's a questionable doctrine in of itself. You know, that once saved, always saved—that wasn't around uh, the first fifteen hundred years of the existence of the church. That came in under uh, Calvin, and uh, ever since then, we've been holding on to that. And I'm sorry, I, I can't agree with that. I, I don't see it in Scripture. We may talk about that one day. Hallelujah, brother Joel. He refuses to discuss sin in his church. That's dangerous. On top of that, he has combined the gospel with New Age philosophy, taken from Norman Vincent Peale and the positive thinking crowd, secular teachers. He has changed the gospel message of Christ and Christ alone into a positive message of faith. Millions upon millions are being deceived by the syrupy delivery, the smooth, good looks, his friendly countenance, non-confrontational style. Hey, let me interject this here, man. The gospel is confrontational. Hallelujah. You bet it is. It confronts you to confront your sin. That's what Christianity is. That's what the Holy Spirit conviction is. I could go on and on about the danger there, but I'm going to stop there. He's in trouble enough with God and the people he the sees are in just as much trouble, which is why we're telling you about this. Thank God there's always repentance offered to you. Oh, wait, if you follow Joseph Prince, you're not going to take advantage of that. See the mess this creates. You have got to stay in the word of God. The problem is they think that they're on the right track. Just one portion of Scripture is all you need to understand they're not. Galatians 4, 6 through 10. I marvel that you are so removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel. Paul is challenging the Galatians, what are you doing? You're messing up. Who's called you into another gospel? And then he says, verse 7, it's not another gospel, but there be some that trouble you who would pervert the gospel of Christ. Uh, I could break that language down. They're troubling you. They're causing unrest in your spirit. They're causing you to vacillate in your mind about your thinking. They have got you shaken from the truth. He says, verse 8, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than the one which I preached unto you, let him be accursed. Actually, another translation says, let him be eternally damned. I mean, can you see the danger of someone changing the gospel? Verse 9, as we said before, so now I say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then the one that you have received, let him be eternally damned. Verse 10, for do I now persuade men, or am I trying to persuade God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I don't know why these preachers are changing the gospel. Uh, It's got to be demonic. There's no other reason for it. You know, God doesn't want the gospel change. I don't want the gospel change. You don't want the gospel change. Well, then who do you think wants the gospel change? The devil. That's right. It's demonic. Albert Moeller, greatly of God as leader of the Southern Baptist and one-time president of the Southern Baptist Convention, has repented of biblical doctrine concerning homosexuality. You get that? What? Yes. He's now changed his view on homosexuality, and he said, I had to repent of biblical doctrine. What are you, Crazy. This stuff is demonic. This is what happens when you don't guard yourself from the false in the pulpit. Whether it's Joseph Prince, whether it's Joel Osteen, whether it's Rick Warren, Jakes, or any other man standing in the pulpit and not preaching the written gospel, not preaching what Paul preached, I would back off. I would say, Lord, have mercy. Pray for these guys, but get your butts out of your chair. You do not belong there. I pray the wisdom of God into your lives. I pray the boldness of God into your life. I pray the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you